In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. I'm Woo! so glad you chose that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's, I was waiting, I was hoping you'd choose a song for the intro. And again, that was the correct choice of, of the choices. Like, come on, what else would I have chosen? First of all, that wow. song is excellent. and you- That song is excellent. There is another song that's played multiple times in this uh, movie and at the time was not problematic. I would say now it has, has changed. become, yes. <laughs> yeah. And we will talk about it. But no, ever since, yeah. I, so I usually watch whatever we're going to watch for the week on Tuesday evenings. And okay. so ever since, and today is Saturday, and every ever since Tuesday evening, just like oh. when my brain is at rest, all of a sudden it's like, here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. <laughs> and it just keeps Who sings that song. Do they did they win an Oscar? Um uh oh it did get nominated oh. for uh, a Grammy for best dance recording in nineteen ninety six. Um, the people who made it are the Quad City DJs, who you also know from another great classic of the mid-90s, Come On, Ride the Train. Oh, and ride yeah, it, woo, woo, come on, oh, ride man, the train. Oh, man, they have good dance songs. Yeah. As soon, so I had to never come across the Space Jam song before, which is kind of shocking to me now. Um, that is. And as soon as I heard it in the credits, I was like, this is a great song. And <laughs> I was like, but is it exactly like another song from the same era? And the answer is yes. yes. And it's by the same people. Um, Fair enough. So they don't have to sue anybody. <laughs> no, I was like, I wonder if they, well, no, you can't get anything out of suing yourself. But I was like, this is pretty funny because it's effectively the exact same song. Um, hello everyone. I am Sarah <laughs> Walsh. I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh and it is see you next week in space time. And, um, no, it's not like we're not seeing you next week in the space time continue continuum. I'm just saying <laughs> it's time for see you next week in space. And you might have already inferred what we are going to talk about based on 
the intro. The fact that you said it in the song. <laughs> I mean, the song says Space Jam like a lot of times. Well, what else are you going to say? It's like, da na 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 Batman. Like, you got to just, like, get to the point. Um, yeah. I, oh, God. I'm, like, looking at the lyrics of this song, and they're all so great. Um, <laughs> what are they? Just, like, the Space Jam, come on down. It's a No, like, it's... Space. And I like as soon as I look at them, I remember like how they're supposed to go. So it's like, come on and slam, and welcome to the jam. Come on and slam if you want a jam. And then the next part is, hey you, what you gonna do? Hey you, what Ooh, you yeah. gonna do? Like it. Well, I'm the fun. point is, of course, it in it's very like inspired by like jock, jock jams, jams and like yes. things you would sing at a sporting game. That's what yeah. I call things is sporting games. Um, <laughs> those sports, those sports things that they do. <laughs> um, so, Amy, why don't you just for posterity tell everyone what we're talking about this week? So we're talking about Citizen Kane this week, and um, wow. Um, <laughs> We really are not on the same page for what today is about to be discussed. Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, in actuality, we watched Space Jam uh, from 1996. Welcome to the Space Jam. I, sorry, I think I might need to do that every time we say this words. Oh, no. Space okay, then Jam. we maybe need to stop saying because <laughs> that's going to get crazy. Um, but so... I mean, I kind of a little bit struggle to call this a movie, but it came out apparently November 15th of 1996. Yep. Um, interesting to me because as you wrote here, that sounds like, like holiday movie style. I would have seen this more as like summer. It seems yeah. like, like a kid summer blockbustery type of deal. Um, but basically, it's just a uh, Michael Jordan vehicle to play basketball in a movie yes. with the Looney Tunes, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. You've summed it and up space, perfectly. <laughs> and space comes into play a little bit. Indeed. I will say, I like, off, you know, right from the top, like, in terms of the sci-fi of it all, this is the amount of space I like in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly, I think, like, two scenes. Yeah, and actually I take that back because that's too much. But, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, but as far as, as far as science fiction goes, I can handle a couple scenes in space and then we, like, move back down to Earth. Well, um, and not just back down to Earth, but into the ground, in Toontown. Where Looney Tunes live, apparently. Um, and about that, <laughs> that's a good point. And I, that's something that's so funny because I didn't question that once in this movie. Like, of all the things, <laughs> of all the things that I was like, what in the heck? I didn't question once the fact that Toontown or Looney Tune World or whatever it's called right. was underground yeah what the f is that yeah i'm just looking through the wikipedia page for space jam to see if there's any discussion as to like 
if that like was that a known was that always implicit in Looney Tunes and I just I never think so. knew that like like because when they're like I I I don't have a great enough memory of any of the specific cartoons that I watched or Bugs Bunny or any of those I don't remember them ever traveling like gophers under the ground no I mean I'm sure and we'll get to it like when Daffy and Bugs are going to rob Michael Jordan's home um totally normal sentence by the way yep 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 (laughs) uh well they're going to rob his home for his basketball shorts um sure 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 like and there's that bit where they're I did like this as like a visual of like somebody's tunneling under the lawn and then the right. dirt is getting disrupted and stuff. Um, right. That image, I guarantee you, has appeared in a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. You know, because there has to, like, one of their characters has to be a ground-burrowing animal yeah, of probably. some persuasion. Um, but that's not the same thing as... As them living under, yeah, in a that, whole the, world like, underground. I found myself referring to... Three different universes in this movie. It was like the space universe, which is not this, even though it's a cartoon, it is not the same as the Looney Tunes universe. Mm -hmm. They're two different animated realms. And then there is us some, and we're, and I guess we're in the middle somehow, kind of. Yeah. Um, And I guess like all we do is play basketball. <laughs> well, not only that, but that is a major component to this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't find anything here that suggests that it's like a known thing that Looney Tunes it's not. live in an underground realm. I don't think... I really don't think that it is. No. I think it was their... I think it was their way to get... I don't know what it was. <laughs> I was going to try to justify or like make some type of, uh, you know, no, I have no idea what it was, but no. I, I just think it was one of the many weird choices that was to be had. Indeed. Um, so I'll just tell you a little bit about the backstory of this movie, which I think yeah. will be helpful to contextualize what is ha- what is happening? Um, yeah. So apparently, in like ninety two, ninety three, when Michael Jordan was exceptionally awesome and like kicking ass in the NBA, uh, mm-hmm. we have the release of. Now I can't remember. Like it's Air Jordan. I can't remember which iteration of Air Jordan it is. Like because they're they've all got numbers after them. Um, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so it's like Air Jordan Edition 5, Air Jordan Edition 6, and so on and so forth. Oh. Um, but so in 92 and 93, with each new edition of Air Jordan that came out, uh, Michael Jordan did a series of commercials where he and Bugs Bunny are playing basketball against each other. Okay. And apparently those commercials were really successful and one of the guys who directed one of these commercials is the one who has directed this same movie a guy named Joe Pitka and basically he felt like the commercials were like performing so well that he then pitched a full-length movie where he's like let's get Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny into a movie together 
<sighs> um, yeah. That's that's a lot of um. That's that's. I don't even know what my reaction is to that. Yeah, <laughs> just that he wasn't like immediately laughed into like non-existence is funny to me because that is it's so wild and so weirdly not a movie (laughs) yeah just because a commercial is doing well doesn't necessarily mean that someone wants like a spin-off from the like what are are you gonna have like a noxzema movie like just where the noxzema girl just like (laughs) puts on Noxzema for two hours. Like, Well, it's very reminiscent of, do you remember, I forget which car insurance group it was, but they did uh, the Cavemen ads. Yes. Well, there yeah. that turned into a TV show for a while, um, mm, yeah. which of course failed. So, but yeah. I think... But even a TV show, like, sort of... <sighs> I don't know. Even a TV show sort of makes a little more sense than a movie, especially very specifically like Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny because <laughs> you've got the crossover of... I mean, I know like they did cool crossovers of c- cartoons and live action, but I don't know. It's just a weird, weird choice. Yeah, so... I mean, I think part of what made this seem like a good idea in the early 90s, so basically, like, Pitka was pitching this around 93 or something. And yeah. so who framed Roger Rabbit has already I was gonna come ask. out. Because um, okay. I think that's 88 or 89. Okay. And that had done decently well. Um, yeah. And, like, I had kind of forgotten uh, how big a deal... Michael Jordan really was at that time. Um, yeah. And how, like, pervasive he was. Like, he was in so many ads and he was just around. Um, yeah. And so between the success of Roger Rabbit, the success of these commercials, Michael Jordan's appeal to people who were not even sports fans, you know, like... yeah. All of that, see, I guess, combined in such a way that people were like, oh, yeah, maybe this is worth trying to set, get going. But then... Um, and he's not a terrible actor. No, like, I was I actually say, like, really impressed. I will say that I think... On. Yeah, I think Charles Barkley and like Patrick Ewing like maybe could take a couple acting classes. Sure. But... but not Muggsy Bogues, was, though. Muggsy Bogues Muggsy was Bogues fucking was, like, great. Killing it. He was killing it. And I don't even know who he was, but I liked him because I like small basketball players because they're so, like, the minority in that world. But, um, and his, his that name is great. But, um, yeah, I thought Michael Jordan, like, <laughs> listen, acting is a stretch to talk about when we're talking about this movie. There's, like, Indeed. I mean, he is just happening. playing himself. True. But he, but it's believable. <laughs> it's, I mean, he's not like super, I think there's people who could be like other, I've seen other, you know, when you see sports people on like SNL or something like yeah. that, and you're like, oh wow, they should really just keep playing their sport. They're super stiff um, and robotronic. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Well, I think to me, actually more to the point is not necessarily how relaxed he is playing himself, 
but he's actually good doing acting in green screen, and this is one of the first movies right. that is almost entirely shot using a green screen. Like, can you imagine, like, all those, um, you know, moments where he's, like, talking to those weirdo cartoons and even a lot of the basketball scenes and stuff he's probably having to do on green screen? That must be, that's weird. And that is a whole other level of talent, I guess is the word for it, or just, like, awareness. I don't, I'm not even sure, but to be not completely wooden when you're literally talking to a green you don't actually have an acting partner that yeah I mean you're like probably talking to a PA who's just standing there and and being like what next Michael you know like (laughs) they're not giving you it could be or it could be like a crazy uh who knows it'd be funny if it was like the actual voice actor and (laughs) they were actually like standing there being like in regular plain clothes like smoking a cigarette but being like man what's up doc yeah like that would be even crazier but um yeah, so I give him credit for it's it's not bad it's not a bad job for no. the fact that he's not no, an actor I mean, and he's one of the first people to meaningfully do this sort of acting which now people do all the time. Um yeah. and he is not an actor, you know, like so yeah. uh in that sense I he's was a talented guy. Yeah, he's, I was I mean, pretty impressed. <laughs> I mean, and he it is funny though that like you wrote here so 93 is when it's starting to be pitched and then he retired so they're like oh well screw that right but what's funny about this movie is they kind of pick it up in I assume real time or maybe a little bit after the fact when he went to baseball and in the, the beginning of this he's actually playing baseball and he has retired from basketball which is kind of funny yeah no so What I was able to surmise was that, so he retires from basketball in 1993, and he actually retires for a very depressing reason, which is that his father is killed in a random act of violence where these two guys, like, stop his car and try to mug him and then shoot him and leave him for dead on the side of the highway. Whoa. Yeah. And so, unsurprisingly, Michael Jordan is very unsettled by this development. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and one of the responses to it is to retire from basketball. That is very sad. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know this story either. Um, though I did remember when he went to, be- to baseball. Yeah. And part of the reason that he did go to baseball is also referred to in that opening scene of the movie because his dad always liked baseball. And so there was kind of, I think he was clearly going through something and like was like, okay, I'll do this. Um, He was not very good at baseball as was clear in the movie and that was part of the storyline. And then he comes back to basketball in 95. And so... I think because of this movie. I think the movie... (laughs) (laughs) I think the movie posits a world where he comes back to basketball because the Looney Tunes have illuminated him on how good he is still. (laughs) Correct. And how much he loves basketball. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So basically once he returns... So in the midst of this whole retirement thing... 
there were some attempts to try and maybe use a different basketball player in the lead role that, as we've discussed, like was not going anywhere because people of a similar caliber to him, like Charles Barkley and Charles Ewing and all those guys, um, they weren't as good at doing it. You know, (laughs) they just weren't as good at doing it. Um, And so then as soon as Michael Jordan came back to basketball, Pitka is like, okay, now we can like get back on to this thing. Here we go, my movie. (laughs) Yeah, my great, my chance is here again. Um, And so then they did, as you say, like work in this whole retirement thing as the story of like, quote unquote, explaining what he did in those two years, right? Yeah. Um, Now, unsurprisingly, uh, most of the non-athlete people approached to appear in this movie were not interested. Um, They thought it was too much of a gimmick and stupid and weird. And so like a bunch of the actors that they approached to play various characters were like, I'm not doing that. Um, Fair enough. I was surprised actually at the one actor who is in this that I guess we'll reveal when we talk about it, but um, I was surprised about one of them. Yeah. Now, uh, to kind of wrap this up, this part anyway, the budget for this movie was $80 million in 1995, so quite a lot of money. I presume Michael Jordan got quite a bit of that money. Um, but also surely a lot of like 79 million. (laughs) I mean, surely also, yeah, the animation and the special effects are very costly. Um, because I would say in that realm as well, this has aged pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's that, there's a lot, there are still some cameos that are impressive that probably also suck up some of that money. Um, and it made its money back and then some, uh, as of, Currently, according to IMDb, it's made $230 million. Uh, It is both the highest grossing movie about basketball as well as the highest grossing Looney Tunes movie that there has ever been. Um, That's nuts. Yeah. And I've also heard, I'm pretty sure, um, not to plug another podcast, but I've heard other podcasts about this movie, and I'm pretty sure that the... um, merch for this movie has sold maybe even upwards of billions of dollars worth of stuff. That wouldn't surprise me. The other place where presumably quite a bit of this budget went is exactly to go back to the top. A lot of original songs get recorded (laughs) for this Mm -hmm. movie. One of which Mm -hmm. is, and we alluded to it before, R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly. That is actually written for this movie and it they wanted to do a lot of flying references because yeah. they also what was the other song seals fly like an eagle cover yes yes which was also for this so he did so that's a cover of an older song um yeah. but he did that for Recorded this film that for, oh that's funny yeah um and r kelly won a grammy for i believe i can fly in 1997 um, I mean, it was a, it was an of the time. I mean, I graduated from sixth grade in 1996, and we sixth graders sang that as our graduation oh, yeah. song. Um, now, that's really gross to think about now. Yes, it's very, like, it, nobody was fully aware of how inappropriate that was at yeah. the time. Um, yeah. So I think that's also where some of this money went, because the soundtrack is very good. 
Um, mm-hmm. I never really, I was never a big I Believe I Can Fly fan. I liked other R. Kelly songs. I thought mm-hmm. I Believe I Can Fly was stupid. And so I feel good <laughs> about that, at least. Um, but so that is featured in this, I think it's played at least two times and maybe more like It might even three. be three. Yeah. Because I remember when it, like, it, it almost opens the movie and I was like, oh, brother, here we go. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I um, was worried when that started <laughs> happening. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the kind of main cast members that we need to care about for this story, and I use the word story loosely. Um, Very loosely. (laughs) So we've already talked a bit about Michael Jordan himself. When he appears in this movie, he is 33, and he is at the height of his basketball career. Um, and he really did play for a double A baseball team called the Birmingham Barons, which is what is portrayed in the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and then he comes back to basketball, uh, in 95, he retires again in 99. Um, but then he buys, he becomes a partial owner of the Washington Wizards. Um, and then comes back for basically like two seasons or maybe a season and a half in the early 2000s. Um, But by then, he's not nearly as good as he had been in the past. He gets quite a few injuries. And so he officially leaves basketball and professional sports in 2003. And now he like owns a bunch of stuff, I think, doesn't he? Maybe. I feel like I looked it up, but I forget now. He he does... Mm, I forget, so it's not important. But that, I mean, he was, I have not watched the uh, documentary about him, but uh, I I wanted to. But I think, um, you know, in that it does show like exactly like how dominant he was at that time. And that's something that I was never aware of because I was not a a sports game person (laughs) and B. It's sporting games, Amy. Sporting Sporting games. games, sorry. And B, like, we were kind of young, but, you know, his name did permeate, like, just everything. Like, obviously, you know, way more than other, you know, I couldn't tell you some 90s baseball players probably, but I could tell you, you know, of course, I know who Michael Jordan is. Right. No, he was a world star, and part of that is not just about him playing basketball, but how many, like, um, deals he got where he was, like, the promotional person of Nike and Hanes, and they make even a joke about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he was just a face that was, like, on billboards and on your TV and on the side of a bus, and, like, he was just a well-known personality. Um, Yeah. The next character is a character called Stan Podolak that's played by Wayne Knight, who was 41 at the time this movie was released. Um, and poor you, Wayne Knight. <laughs> huh? I said poor Wayne Knight. Uh, why is he poor Wayne Knight? I don't know. I feel like he's always plays like the butt of the joke guy. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, as soon as I saw him, I was super stoked. And in my notes, I wrote, Newman! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, 
yes, he's one of those people who has, like, looked middle-aged since he was in his early 20s. Um, yeah, I mean, he just always plays either, like, the dork or the uh, outcast or, like, kind of in villain or just, like, he always seems to play, like, the... I don't know what the right word is, but he's just like, he's always getting shit on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in this era, he was having a big kind of crest in his career as well because of Seinfeld. Um, but also mm. he appeared in Basic Instinct in a very, like, mm. the famous scene where she's crossing her legs. Um, he's in Jurassic oh. Park and famously gets killed by those little raptor boys. Um, and he's remained, I mean, we still see him today and he truly looks just the same as he did in one of his breakout roles, which is as, uh, a different person named Stan in Dirty Dancing. Um. That's funny. So here's the, here's the rub, (laughs) I guess you could say. Even, so even if you look middle-aged younger... It might be okay because you'll just like stay yeah. looking middle aged for a yeah. long time. You'll just get forty years of a career where you basically look the same, um, <laughs> which is fine. Like you know, you can hey. always be cast in the various typecast things that you would get. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we have Bill Murray playing himself. Uh, that was that was the shocker to me. I was very surprised about Bill Murray in this. I was um, too. <laughs> and this movie, again, also because Michael, I was about to say Michael Jackson, because Michael Jordan was so prolific at the time, this movie was a big deal, even though it was terrible, right. I think. Um, like a lot of kids and young people who liked it at the time, a lot of people would probably even argue that it is bad. They'd be like, no, that movie's great. Um because they loved it as a kid, so they sure. can't see straight. <laughs> but um, the, uh, but so even though this movie was so big and I knew a lot about it and I knew kind of the gist, I did not know Bill Murray was in it. So that was a huge shock to me. I didn't know that either. Um, and I will also say that the Bill Murray aspect was based on a different series of commercials that were also popular in the 90s where he was like apparently regularly appearing and I don't know what these like I don't know what product this was for or if it was like the NBA was doing promo stuff but um Mm -hmm. like that whole gag where Bill Murray is talking to both Michael Jordan and Larry Bird about how about he can join the NBA there that was a thing that he was doing in commercials at the time. So this was this like running gag that was then added to this movie that's already about commercials. It's so wild. Like <laughs> what? I mean and there were other commercials within like within the movie like that you know more I mean product placement I guess, but even they like yeah. said the words of like at one point he says, let's go get a Big Mac. And he's holding like a McDonald's cup already. And, um, oof, man, this dude, this Joe Pitka guy, like. It was all really? about like corporate synergies and like maximalizing potentials and like all yeah, that. It's like the, it's sort of like the opposite of like true art. <laughs> <laughs> 
but like cool. True cool. art <laughs> is something that if you're lucky, two other people will watch it. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it will be fantastic to those two people. Like, oh, that's, it's so sad. But anyway, continuing. <laughs> uh, the next, now we're going into the animated characters who form kind of the backbone of this story. So, of course, we have Bugs Bunny, who is voiced by a voice actor named Billy West, excuse me, who was 44 when this movie came out. Um, and he is actually a super prolific voice actor. Uh, mm-hmm. In his early days, he was responsible for doing the voices of Doug Funny and Stimpy. Love that. Both, so those are both like Nickelodeon animated mm-hmm. shows that I guess, I don't actually think Ren and Stimpy was meant for children, but kids were watching it. Um, yeah, it wasn't appropriate as far as I remember. And deeply disturbing in various ways. <laughs> uh, he has also done the voice for Woody Woodpecker at various times. Um, and then more recently, uh, he has done some of the more prominent characters on Futurama. Like I think he does Fry and some others that I can't remember. Well, I don't know Futurama that well to know the names of the characters, but interesting. And in Disenchantment as well. Um, so Hmm. those are both Matt Groening shows. Mm -hmm. Um, and he has like a shocking amount of credits, but voice actors seem to always get that because you can just do quite a bit more I think when and did you're he just do doing voice yeah and did he do Bugs Bunny like in the actual Bugs Bunny um cartoon he's not the or just for this movie? he's not the he's original not the original. guy I mean the original okay. guy was long dead by 1995 okay. when did I guess I don't know like the trajectory of Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. <laughs> but we they come into out that. in like the 30s and 40s. For, Ooh, so okay, gotcha. quite some time ago. Um, so this guy wasn't 100 years old? <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was only 44. Oh, um, so next we have a character who, as we have discussed via text earlier this week, the character's name is Swackhammer. That was never once said in the movie. Uh, we like, and, and what in, a name not to say. <laughs> well... Again, because this movie is based on a loose collection of ideas that are inspired by two different series of commercials, um, (laughs) a lot of the names of things that I'm going to say, I guess, were names that maybe existed in the scripts or the documents about this movie, but were never actually said in the movie. And Swackhammer is one of these things. I like that you uh, said script or documents because I feel like there probably wasn't a script. I feel like documents, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there was a script, but, you know, like, <laughs> not much happened. And, yeah, anyway, I like documents of the movie as a reference. Or I could also see it being sort of something that, like, once the movie was released and started being really beloved, um, that people came up with names for things that then has now retroactively been like, that's what has happened. I wouldn't be surprised if that also was playing a role Uh here. Um, But Swackhammer is voiced by Danny DeVito, who was 52 at the time. 
Um, and I don't think we've ever run across Danny DeVito Have before not? in our podcast. Hmm. Um, I recognized his voice immediately, but I, I was like, did not. No, I was like, no, Danny DeVito wouldn't have been in this, would he? Like, I just, I definitely um, did not catch. But that. apparently, yeah, uh, they. Uh, it was like a get that they could even get anybody who was a named talent to do this voice work. Yeah, um, and we know him from a lot of different oh stuff. Um, but the thing that I thought was really interesting about him is so he actually got into acting because like, so he's a working class guy, his family, he grew up in Asbury Park, New Mm -hmm. Jersey. And so I, what I was able to infer is that like he finishes high school and he starts working as a cosmetologist in his sister's salon, presumably somewhere in New Mm -hmm. Jersey. And in order to get better at cosmetology, he signed up for some classes at the New York American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Huh. Um, so, so like makeup work, hmm. right? Um, and then because he's around all of these other types of things that are associated with dramatic arts, he feels like he wants to get into acting and starts taking acting classes. And then the rest is history, as they say. Um, I don't know that I would, like, if he stayed in the cosmetology game, I think that's one of those things, like, you don't want to go to, like, a hairdresser who's got a weird hair thing happening. (laughs) I don't know if I would go to a cosmetologist who, like, I just, I know this is bad of me. I want a cosmetologist who has, like, great skin and who looks great (laughs) and I would not use those descriptors of Danny DeVito well yeah and I'm a little confused because I'm pretty sure (laughs) American Academy of Dramatic Arts is that is an acting school so I don't think it's a cosmetology school no but it's like I'm sure they had stuff related to like makeup and maybe or maybe yeah maybe yeah yeah yeah. i see i see um because then yes then they definitely have acting classes that's so interesting and i will say i've seen danny devito in real life and it was very exciting for me one time in new york when we were younger oh i think i've heard this yeah and he i was shocked at how small he was (laughs) He's four He's eleven, so little. I think. and there's nothing wrong with that. But it is like, as a smallish person myself, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's smaller than me." <laughs> well, and as well, can you imagine, like, in the final one of the final scenes of the movie where it's like all those basketball guys and then uh, Wayne mm-hmm. Knight standing next mm-hmm. to them? He looks like a child. Oh, yeah. oh. It would have been so great to see Danny DeVito. And so, like, if Danny DeVito had been standing that there, that would have been a great dad. Even more yeah. nuts. Yeah. Um, the final kind of, and she's this character isn't even super important to the plot, but I just felt like I should say one female character who sort of mattered, which is Lola Bunny. Um, this is actually the introduction of Lola mm. Bunny. She hadn't existed as a Looney Tune before. Oh. Um, and I think subsequently she has, she's now a kind of part of the stable of characters that Looney Tunes mm-hmm. has at their disposal. And she's voiced by a voice actor named Kath, I think, Sousy or Susie mm. might be how you pronounce her last name. Um, 
she was 29 when she did this particular uh, gig. She has 420 voice credits spanning from 1983 to the present. That's wild. And that's exactly why you should do voice work, everybody. <laughs> I just, I'm like shocked how, like, because even though we've done voice actors before, um, this is like one of the most credits for a voice actor I've ever seen. Well, and also in that time um, period too, right? Because I feel like we've had others that had like maybe 300 to possibly 400 credits, but it right. might have spanned over 70 years. Um, this right. from 83 to now, like that's a pretty, that's. A, it's 38 years, but. Still, well, yeah, you know, but it's like, still like 400. What's 420 divided by 38? It's a lot. Get on to it. I'm not doing that math, but Um, it's uh, a lot of credits. Yes. Um, And so she's been on a bunch of things. Uh, She was voiced a main character on Captain Planet. Mm. She did the twins in Rugrats. Uh, Well, that's okay. So it's 11 credits per year, technically. So. Yeah, more or less. So that's a lot. (laughs) It seems like a lot. Um, and some of her credits, of course, are like just like one-offs, but she has been in quite a lot of series, like animated mm-hmm. series. And especially like recently, she seems to have been in a lot of like this, all those various like Star Wars shows, but also Star Wars video games. Oh. And so, yeah, I feel like that's where the voice work is now is in video games and stuff like that. Yeah, there's quite a bit of that. Um, And then there's just a bunch of cameos that we might talk about a bit as we go through. Um, So in terms of the movie, we begin um, watching a little boy play basketball in the summer of 1973. And this whole opening bit is mostly just an homage to Michael Jordan's dad who passed away. That's sad. I didn't really realize that. Yeah. Um, but basically it's setting up this thing of showing how from the time he was a small boy, Michael wanted to be a professional basketball Mm -hmm. player. Um, and he's really good even as a small kid. Uh, and then we get to the credits, which is just like super jam. (laughs) Woo. Um, Yes, immediately we get into that song, and I was like, ooh, this song is great. Oh, my God. Um, But also, so, okay. Normally, I wouldn't care much about the credits, but the credits already, I was like, this is like a feast for the eyes. It's like an onslaught. Like, what is about to, like, happen? Oh, you know what I thought about the credits? Um, It was, they were long. (laughs) I feel like. They were very long because the Space Jam song is a solid five minutes oh, yeah, long. Yeah, I do remember thinking, this is long. And it's like a lot of like just basketball montage. Footage. Yeah. And I also realized yeah. another genre of movie I've not specified that I hate, <laughs> but do hate, <laughs> is a sports movie. And um, <laughs> the shocking to some... But, like, and that's not true across the board, but, like, a sports montage is, like, well, boring to me. Um, So that's what I was feeling immediately off the bat. Besides the fact that that song is good, I was like, oh, man, sports montage. 
Yeah. Well, so I just wanted to n make a note about a couple things in the credits. First of all, both Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny uh, get top billing, which is to say their names appear before the title Space <laughs> Jam happens. Mm -hmm. So this is like a very big deal. And in terms of like what this, it is eclipse like footage, like both photos and live action recordings, mostly of uh, Michael Jordan dunking. Yeah. Um, but it's also got the feel of like a Foot Locker commercial, yep. you know, from that era. Cause it's like the jock jam sound. Yep. And then like occasionally there's just like, now we're going to go to like black and white a photo of graffiti yeah. like um and like now we're talking now we're watching some ladies who are like the fly girls do a dance <laughs> in big baggy clothes like yeah. it was like all of it it was like moving back and forth between black and white and then like color and there's definitely uh at one point they have a picture of the crowd like cheering michael mm -hmm. on and in that they have someone who has made a sign that says Michael for president. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like it already, like, so we're barely 10 minutes into a, a film that I think is like 98 minutes long or something. Um, and I was like, it was really nostalgic for me. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot what a big deal he was. Yeah. And like, how much people loved the Bulls and it like it was like yeah. the Bulls were like America's team you know mm -hmm. like I had just totally forgotten well, they had that. a lot of really, big stars on that team and I can't they did yeah and I can't remember well or sorry Patrick Ewing I called him Charles Ewing before it's yeah Patrick Ewing yeah yeah he Patrick Ewing and MJ I think were on the Bulls together and they're my oh and Scotty Pippen Scotty Pippen um, and I know um uh uh, Dennis Rodman for a while. I don't know if it was the oh, same yeah, time period. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. So the fact that you and I can name four basketball players who are on the same team. That means that's pretty, like, that's pretty much, that's out there in the realm of, because as... It's like popular knowledge, yes. general knowledge. Yes. At that time. Uh, that's not sports so, people knowledge, anybody in case you were curious that's no it isn't like a super impressive thing that we know this <laughs> but to me I am impressed because wow yeah like it, it but it's more illustrative of just how much the bulls and like this era had penetrated into just general pop culture yeah at the time yeah um so in terms of the actual story we begin at a press conference in our world where Michael is announcing that he's leaving basketball to play baseball. And we only are briefly in this scene, and then the camera, like, flies up out through the ceiling of this room where the press conference is happening, and we go into space that... <sighs> I guess I, I guess when I'm talking about where we are now, which is Earth, I will say the real world, and then I will refer to these other places. Um, so we go into animated space, uh, animated to, and we space. and we arrive at a place for some reason that I do not understand that is called Moron Mountain. I did love and that. 
I guess it is like, it's calling it like it is in the sense of anyone who works with the public knows that that's what you want to call every person with whom you interact well, when you work at the place. Yeah, well, and it's like, it's like a, a theme park or amusement park or something like that in space. And um, Moron Mountain is very apt for like an amusement park <laughs> name um, because yes. amusement parks are by nature. There's some of the moronic. worst places in the universe. Yeah. Easily. And it's not even um, that I hate an amusement park. I've been to many and some and they're and they can be fun and all the things, but they are moronic. <laughs> yes. And people, it's like literally as you step be, your foot yes. over the threshold, you become everyone becomes ten yeah. to fifty percent stupider. Yeah than they are in real life. Yeah. Um, in this case, <laughs> Swackhammer is the owner of this amusement park, and he's upset because, like, it's not as popular as it once was. The people, the various morons who are his customers <laughs> um, are getting bored of the options. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I need to come up with new things to do. And so we see him in his weird office and he has these weird like little henchmen type people that like actually looked quite a lot. Um, Oh yeah, this is what I had in my handwritten notes. The henchmen look like the poor unfortunate souls from The Little Mermaid. Totally. Um, Because they're all like bent backed and like weird looking yeah and they um, all have weird little antennas yeah and like yellow eyes yeah. um the only difference is that these things can move around whereas the poor unfortunate souls are like growing up out of the ground somehow yeah um but now you might not know this because again this is not mentioned in the film at all is that these things that are his henchmen are called nerd looks or nerd lux. whoa i definitely didn't know that yeah, they're called Nerdlux, and he's, like, yelling at them about, like, please come up with some ideas about how my business can be better, and they're not super helpful, but he's got, like, this whole, as business people of the 90s are often portrayed, he's got this whole wall of TVs in his <laughs> office, and these TVs can get footage from... Animated space dimension, oh. mm. real world dimension, and Looney Tune dimension. Hmm. And there's some foot, and it just so happens that one of the TVs has Bugs Bunny on it. And immediately, Swackhammer decides that the answer to his troubles is to get the Looney Tunes to come to his amusement park. And be like attractions there. And so mm. he sends the nerd Lux off to go and get them. I feel like Joe Pitko was high when he wrote this movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the nerd Lux then get into their animatronic. Or no, animatronic is on this realm. Animated. Um, animated spaceship. Yeah. The animated spaceship can penetrate the various, 
like different dimensions. So it flies over Michael Jordan playing baseball in Alabama. It flies through that. The whole crowd sees it, and apparently no one cares. And then it burrows into the ground of Earth, and you're like, what's this all about? And then when it gets into the ground, it's like going through a tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel is like a medallion, I guess I would describe it as. Yeah, that says the WB thing. Right. Yeah. And that's like the seal between our Earth and Looney Tune dimension. Yeah. And so their spaceship goes through that and ends up on the other side of this. Like, it's weird because they make it look like when various things are going through this seal, Mm -hmm. they make it look a bit like how I would imagine, like, if you were using, like, the seal is like if you took a balloon and, like, poked a pencil through it. Yeah. It looks like that. Yeah. Um, so then the Nerd Lux arrive in Looney Tune world, and they just so happen to find Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd immediately. Yep. And the Nerd Lux come out of their ship, and they say, hey, have you guys seen Bugs Bunny? And Bugs Bunny tries to be clever with them and be like, ah, is he like, does he do this? And does he do that? And like, of course, they're all things he's doing as he's asking them. Uh, And then he's like, never heard of him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Of course. Um, But, I mean, I do feel the nerd looks are so stupid in a sense Mm -hmm. in this movie. Um... I'm actually kind of proud of them that they realize that he's being sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I'm like, oh, good. I know you're like the bad guys, kind of. Um, but it's. I'm glad that you at least understand <laughs> what the concept of sarcasm yeah. or irony. Um, so they manage to capture bugs. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, back on Earth... Uh, Michael Jordan has come home from a very shitty performance in minor league baseball. Mm -hmm. His kids are coming home from their various, like, activities of the day. Um, now just to a quick note, the kids who appear in this movie are not his actual children, (laughs) but they all have the names of his actual children and are approximately the ages of his kids at the time. Oh, wow. That's... Interesting and a little creepy. Yeah. So at the time, uh, so the family's kind of sitting around watching TV and there's initially the TV is on like a sports news broadcast that's saying how badly Michael did at baseball that day, which I do, that I actually do remember from that era of like seeing like, like regular news was Michael Jordan is doing bad at baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that was just normal news. That wasn't like specifically sports news. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael changes the channel to Looney Tunes because his kids are all watching. And the kid, and then he kind of leaves the room. And then the kids are watching and Porky Pig like walks into a Roadrunner cartoon mm-hmm. and is like, 
guys, we need to stop this like anvil on the head thing because we're being called to a union meeting <laughs> of the Looney Tunes. Um, which I thought, I was like, union meeting? Like, what? Um, but, yeah, so the then Looney we go. Yeah, have unionized people. Better watch out. I mean, I get it. They're from the, they were created in the era when American unions were starting to rise as important figures mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and they're actors, so actors have to have unions. Um, so then we arrive in the Toon Union Hall, um, where Bugs has brought these nerd looks, and basically, I don't remember exactly how this goes down, but, like, the nerd looks, like, officially announced that, like, everyone who's a Looney Tune is, like, their prisoner, or mm-hmm. something. And I, I feel like I remember like the audience laughs and they're like, how can you like take us as prisoners? And do they like shoot some ray guns at somebody? I don't really remember. I don't either. Um, but anyway, apparent like the tunes seem to gather that these nerdlucks do present a certain amount of a threat. So mm-hmm. Bugs thinks on his feet and he's like, ah, well, um, we can't just be enslaved. Also, they, Bugs regularly refers to what's happening as enslavement, which is like a very weird. Yeah, that's awkward. Yeah. I don't totally know what I think about that, but. Yeah. Um, so he's like, but like, you have to give us a chance to get out of this. <laughs> and the nerd lucks are like, okay, I guess we do. And this is where this basketball thing comes up because then it's like Porky and Daffy and Bugs and Peppy Le Pew or maybe, oh no, it's like Sylvester Sylvester, is there. And I think maybe Tweety is there. All the like super like known Looney Tune characters are in this other room and they're like, okay, well we've bought ourselves like a bit of a reprieve, what can we challenge them to that we would stand a better chance of winning than they would? Mm-hmm. And basically, they the logic is nerd looks are small. What's something that small things can't do? And they decide on basketball. Play basketball, yes. <laughs> um, so then they return to the nerd looks and they're like, okay, we've, We've decided we're going to play you in a game of basketball for our freedom. And though the Nerdlucks do not know what basketball is, they agree. <laughs> They're stupid. Um, and that kicks off where we go from here. Um, so there's a brief explanation for the nerd locks of what basketball is. And then we cut to Madison square garden where this actually was one of my favorite things. Cause I love this gag. I love when people sit on somebody's shoulders, like kids wear a long trench coat and pretend to be an adult <laughs> under a trench coat. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, Classic. I think I've also seen that done where it's like a pile of cats pretending yeah. to be a human. Like, there's all different variations on the joke. I like the joke literally every time I see it done. Um, so they have all dressed up in a trench coat as though they are a human person to attend a Knicks game. And when they're in the audience, they're sitting next to 
Patricia Heaton, I think, and um, Dan Castellaneta. So the guy who voices Homer and the lady who would go on to be in Everybody Loves Raymond. They're that couple that they're sitting next to. Um, And so the nerd looks are watching, and Charles Barkley is the best player. And I forget which one, but one of the nerdlocks is like, ah, um, I got it. And so this weird, like, animated vapor comes out <laughs> onto the court mm-hmm. and, like, swirls around Charles Barkley, but no one sees it. Mm-hmm. And the vapor sucks out Charles Barkley's basketball talent. Right. And then returns to an old dumpy basketball that the nerdlucks have hidden inside of the trench coat with them. Right. And when it gets sucked into the basketball, the basketball like kind of glows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately like Charles Barkley starts acting really strange. He can't do anything with basketball. I think he even... I think it's him where someone like passes him the ball and it like literally like just hits his chest and his yeah. arms don't even move. I can't <laughs> like, remember if that was like, him or Patrick what? Ewing, but it was yeah, it's definitely he you lose all sense apparently of um sportsman or sports Yeah, like whatever. all athleticism entirely. Like yeah. not just and I did think whoever the one was where they get hit in the chest and like don't even react I was like, well, that's a good bit of acting because these guys are really good at basketball. I think it would actually be very hard to go against your instincts yes. to, like, do that shot, Yeah, right? absolutely. It's like a dancer, like, trying to dance bad or a singer trying right. to sing bad. It's a lot harder than you'd think. <laughs> right. So I was like, good job, whoever. <laughs> like, now I can't remember which one did it, but I was yeah, like, I can't that either. probably was tough. Um, <laughs> so... Then we return to Looney Universe and Bugs is trying to get his team together on this like outdoor animated basketball court. Uh, But it becomes apparent that though they've chosen basketball because they think their opponents will be bad at it, turns out they're bad at it too. (laughs) So this is a bit of an unfortunate development. Um... In the meantime, the Nerdlucks have been going around and sucking the talent out of various Earth players. So they get <laughs> they hit up Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bogues, and two other guys. And now I can't remember the, one, the other guys. The tall, the tall white guy, which I did not recognize him. He had... I remember looking it up. He's one of those people who has, like, some sort of gigantism. He's huge. Yeah, and very weird looking. Yeah. Like, kind of slender man looking. Almost. Yeah, I didn't recognize him as a basketball player. I don't know who he is. He was a professional basketball player. Oh, okay. So it's um, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bogues, Sean Bradley is the white guy. Mm. Uh, hold on. Oh, maybe it's... No, I thought there were five of them. Oh, Vlad Divac. I think these are the other guys who get Mm. involved in this. Anyway, 
they've all been sucked of their talent. And so when the nerd looks show up to the loony practice court, they're just little still. And they're like, well, can we do a practice? And the Looney Tunes are like, I guess you can. And then they take out this old basketball that they've carried with them and they all absorb the talents of, of the earth players that they've taken and they grow huge mm -hmm. and they convert into the only name we've ever heard them refer to, which is the Monstars. Which I do like. I, I think yeah, that's a fun I liked, one. I was like, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> So when this all transpires, and then they're really good at basketball. Yeah. And so Bugs watches this and he's like, we're going to need some help. <laughs> and this is how they discover. So this is also important to understand. Because Michael Jordan is currently retired from basketball, that's why the nerd lucks don't harvest his talent. Oh, okay. So that, that is why he's available to help the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Um, then we're on some golf course. Michael Jordan is playing golf with Larry Bird and Bill Murray. Um, <laughs> and Stan, a.k.a. Wayne Knight, is there being kind of weirdly sycophantic to mm -hmm. Michael Jordan. Um, and then this is where Bill Murray keeps doing this bit that came from his series of commercials about the NBA. And... Basically, what Bill is saying is like, guys, now I really should be in the NBA because your top five players are gone. So, you know, maybe there's space for a guy like me. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, neither Larry nor Michael agree with that reading. Now, do you remember what Bill Murray is wearing in this scene? Of course I do, because he's wearing... <laughs> A, a ridiculous outfit. And, I mean, golf outfits are kind of ridiculous by nature. Like, I feel like patterns on patterns are, like, sort yeah. of a thing in golf. For sure. Um, so he was definitely wearing, like, a pattern on pattern situation. I think, like, plaid shorts, and I can't remember his shirt. But the oddest part of his outfit, by far, the to me. The pièce de résistance, one might say. Yeah, was he was wearing one of those umbrella hats. And <laughs> we have had a lot of interesting headwear conversations yeah. lately. Well, and the the weirdest part about this is I don't necessarily, I'm not going to hate necessarily on an umbrella hat in general. It's good for keeping the sun off your face and neck, and it did look very sunny out there. Oh, okay, so see, what I was going to say was, like, in the rain and you're playing golf, that makes sense because... You don't have but to hold it. But you wouldn't play golf in the rain. You're not allowed to. That's true. But I would think, like, for a sunny thing, it's called sunglasses and, like, a normal person hat. <laughs> yeah. I don't this know. This is a, just, a choice. <laughs> it's because it's, it's such a look. I mean, whatever. I'm not really sure what he was going for there. But, yeah, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's being, like, I will say he had quite a few good jokes in this little scene. Um, and in particular, the one I liked is, like, he's talking to Michael while Larry Bird is taking his shot. And he's like, Michael, is the reason that I can't join the NBA because I'm white? 
And Michael's like, no, I mean, Larry's white and he's in the NBA. And Bill Murray's response to that is, Larry's not white. He's clear. Yeah, what does that mean? I remember that. Just that he's very pale. I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, As if Bill Murray is like somehow not as clear because he's very, very white too. Anyway, yeah, it was silly. It was a whole, all of that, that whole scene or this whole scene is, was very silly. Yeah. So anyway, when it's uh, Michael's turn to, uh, I don't know, in golf, is it to shoot? I don't really know. Uh, um, to tee up. Um, oh, God. To, I don't know. To go. It's his turn to yes. go. <laughs> anyway, it's his turn. And yeah. he hits his ball, and it starts acting a bit strangely, but he does get a hole in one. And so then they're all going to get to retrieve their balls from the hole. And as Michael is like reaching down to go put his hand in the hole, um, Stan just so happens to be taking a photo of him. And what happens? Oh, what happens? Totally a normal thing. What happens is that actually, you know, I'm not positive that I... <laughs> saw the start of this, but I saw like what happened and he gets sucked into the hole mm-hmm. and like flies through underground again from this hole in this golf course. Right. And ends up in Looney Tune land underground under the Correct. golf course, I guess. Correct. And at like, so Bill Murray, Larry Bird, and Stan have all seen this transpire. And the final little bit of this scene, again, that I really enjoyed, is Bill Murray turns to Stan and is like, don't take a picture of me with that camera. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's wild. He's sucked down into the ground, and he arrives at the Looney Tune basketball court. And when he wakes up, he's got little golf balls with wings floating around his head <laughs> uh which was great I, I really I really appre- like there was quite attention to detail in this movie that mm. I really enjoyed um so of course he believes that he must have like bumped his head or something and he's hallucinating he doesn't think it's real and really? to to prove that it's real bugs does something that I found strange as proof do you remember what he does to show michael that he like what he's experiencing is real was this when they like cleaned up the court because it no oh i don't remember then no he gives uh michael jordan a big ass wet sloppy kiss oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah why it's a but it's one of these weird tune gags that like <laughs> I don't really totally know why it's a gag, but that is a, like I was like oh I've seen that before. It's just never been with a human character. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then that convinces Michael that this is a real experience. Um. What a weird thing to convince you of that. Indeed. Um, But then Bugs basically explains, like, look, we're in real trouble. We've got to do this basketball game. That's why we kidnapped you (laughs) so that you'd help us with this basketball game. Now, what I liked about this particular little interchange is, like, a lot of the shots are, like, showing Michael's face 
and then showing Bugs's face and like each of them reacting to the other. But yeah. what's really cool in terms of attention to detail is when you look, when the camera is on Michael's face, you see in his eyeballs the reflection of Bugs. Oh yeah, and I do sort of then, remember that. And then when it goes up, closes up on Bugs's face, you see the same thing, but Michael's face reflected in his mm. eyes. Um, which I just was like, that's good job, whoever animated this. I really enjoyed that, yeah. like, attention to detail. But then next we get to where Tasmanian Devil cleans up the whole gym. Okay. Um, also, this is now reminding me. Yeah, Looney, you said this before, Looney Tunes merch like t-shirts yeah were like such a thing and i'm having this particular feeling like tasmanian devil was one of the characters who was often like a popular one yeah absolutely because he was because he did the whole like man people i think oh man amy you've missed your calling you have got to call up (laughs) warner brothers and be like i shall do the voice work for the tasmanian devil (laughs) Going forward, because that was really, really <laughs> spot on. No, it was not. But the, I mean, it wasn't not great. <laughs> I mean, it was like well, that's, surprisingly that's, good for <laughs> just a throwaway thing. I feel. Well, thank you. I have some talents. Um, but yeah, no, Tasmanian Devil was pretty big. Again, I think also. I don't know why I want to say uh, with boys, like because that's. Who knows? But I do remember lots of, like, Tasmanian Devil shirts. I do. Yes. Yes. I do remember that. And actually, I feel like this was the era of the animated character on a shirt, because it was also Simpsons shit was always on people's t-shirts and stuff. Um, So they clean up the gym, and they start doing their practice. And then the Monstars show up and start kind of, like, being like, oh, you babies whatever um and then there's this whole scene or scene is not maybe the right word but there's this whole interchange where they turn michael jordan into a basketball like they've pulled them all up and then they like dribble him around the court Mm -hmm. which was weird that was super Um, weird but again that was a place where i was like this is pretty good CGI. Yeah, like, I was pretty impressed by that, I remember. Because uh, there's at least one shot where they have his face as, like, the ball. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, but so anyway, then they, like, kind of throw Michael's slash ball away, and then Michael returns to normal size and shape. And he's, like, sitting on the ground, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the monsters kind of walk out. And this was, because he has said to Bugs, like, I don't think I want to help, I don't know this whole, like, help you with basketball thing. This is weird. Mm -hmm. And after he's banged all around by the Monstars, Tweety flies up. I really did like this. Tweety flies up and he's like, you're not scared of them, are you, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) And that, that makes Michael Jordan decide he will, uh fight against the Monstars. Because if uh, Tweety's trying to, like, shade you for not being afraid, you're going to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the meantime, we don't really need to talk about this, but there are some really great sight gags where we go back to Earth and see all of these talentless basketball players, like, in a 
hospital, like getting tested for things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is de- uh, occurring at the time. Then we return back to what is, there's a sign that says Schlesinger Gym. Mm-hmm. That's the gymnasium that they're in. And I was like, this seems like a purposeful inclusion. And I was right because um, that is named after um, the first producer of Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies animation, a guy named Leon Schlesinger. So oh. that it, there's quite a lot of that sort of self-referential um, I, I wouldn't really call them Easter eggs cause they're not really hidden. It's just like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and so this is when Lola Bunny is introduced. She mm-hmm. is the only one of the Looney Tunes who seems to actually be good at basketball. Uh, Bugs immediately falls in love with her. She does not care for him. <laughs> uh, and then Michael, like, realizes that he's in his golf clothes still and that's when he asks Bugs and Daffy to rob his home for his basketball gear and so he needs his sneakers but most of all he needs his special lucky UNC basketball shorts um which apparently is actually like a thing that every game he played in the NBA, he wore these North Carolina basketball shorts underneath his bowl shorts as a good luck charm. Mm-hmm. So that's real. Or based on a real thing. Okay. Um, so then Daffy and Bugs, as requested, go to rob Michael's home. And... That's when we get the thing I already talked about where they're tunneling underground to get to the house. Mm -hmm. And as they're creeping through the house, um, Michael's kids recognize that they're there and start kind of creeping up behind them. (laughs) And they, and meanwhile, Bugs and Daffy find like the shoes that Michael has requested. Now these are Air Jordan 11s that are featured in this movie. Um, And I assume that's another tie-in. Like that's... Um, Oh, I'm sure. This probably launched that edition of Air Jordans. Yeah. But unfortunately the dog who, if you didn't pick this up, the dog that they own is called Charles Barkley. I didn't notice that. Uh, but that of course it's, it's rather, Barkley. Like <laughs> that's cute. I mean, that's very that's a cute dog name. But I feel like it's a little derogatory. Is it not? Maybe. I mean, Charles Barkley appeared in the film and he seemed fine. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, Charles Barkley, the dog, not the man, um, is has taken the UNC shorts and like has it has them hanging out of its mouth. Oh, right. And Bugs and Daffy are like, oh, no, we can't. Like, they're, Daffy in particular has already had a run-in with his dog and is very scared. <laughs> but the kids have come into the room, and the oldest boy is like, come on, Charles. And he grabs the shorts from the dog and gives them to the tunes. Somehow these kids have inferred entirely what's happening. They're like, yeah. I-, I hope our dad has a great game. Like, and I was like, 
what? Like, kids are intuitive. <laughs> kids um, are like, ah, I see what's happening here. They yes. went up to the Moron Mountain. They needed help with the basketball game for the Looney Tunes, and Dad had to help do the play with the Looney Tunes. Now he needs his shorts. They need to bring them back here. Got it. I hope. Woohoo. Good job. <laughs> yes. Um, now, I, ex- I do believe and feel that kids are like potentially more connected to like magical and fantastical things. Um, but this is like a lot of information for them to just infer from seeing two tunes in their home. Like, uh, yes, it's a lot to infer from someone who watched the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my other favorite, there were like really and truly some good one liners in this. And my next favorite in this is like, as the scene is ending, Daffy says, this is the last time I'm going to work with kids or animals. <laughs> yeah, I liked that too. I do remember that. Um, so then we, then Bugs and Daffy are like walking back to the golf course to return with the items that Michael has asked for them. And it just so happens that Stan has been there this whole time digging a deep, deep hole into the golf for course. For God's sakes. To try and find where Michael Jordan went. I mean. Um, and he overhears Daffy and Bugs talking about Michael Jordan. So he's like, okay, I, I got to follow these people. Uh, aye, aye. We then return to Schlesinger Gym in Toon World. Uh, and Daffy and Bugs give Michael his equipment. And then he starts like doing all great job of basketballing. <laughs> and meanwhile... Stan appears. Oh my God. <laughs> and is like, I really just want to help. That's all I want to do. So, like, tell me what I can do. And basically, it's like, you can help by sitting to the side. And he's like, great, love it. <laughs> he's like, I can do that. I 100% can do that. Um, now we get to the climax of the movie. But wait, there hasn't been a story yet. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean there hasn't been a story? <laughs> I mean, nothing. Well, I mean, stuff has happened, but like. I don't yes. know. Go on. <laughs> uh, so now we are in this big, like, animated Looney Tune like, stadium or forum um, mm-hmm. And it's time for the big game between the Monstars and the Looney Tunes. And they have a name for their team that now I can't remember what it is. Um, um, do you remember what it is? No, shoot. But it's... Um, no. It's something Tunes. I know that. Wait, maybe my Wikipedia page will tell me. Hold mm-hmm. on a second. Ugh. I really don't know. Toon. Oh, the Toon Squad. Oh, the Toon Squad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, ev- so first we watch everybody in the respective locker rooms getting ready, uh, and then we have the introductions where everybody on the Toon Squad gets introduced. And in this introduction, I hadn't realized quite how large Michael Jack. <laughs> not Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, um, was, which is he is 6'6". Yeah. And just for clarity's sake, that was the average height for basketball players 
at the time mm-hmm. um, and has remained the average height today mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA. But just for, like, I just was kind of curious about this because I was under the impression that, like, the players had gotten bigger somehow. Um, mm-hmm. But they've really always been big because the thing I found had information going back into the early 50s. And at that time, the average height was 6'4". So still really huge. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, all the other tunes are introduced. They're more like three feet, most of mm-hmm. them. Um, and the first half of the game does not go well for the tune squad. The Monstars are doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. So at halftime, everybody goes into their respective locker rooms and Swackhammer is there because he's come to watch the game and he is yelling at the Monstars because he's like, who is this human that the Looney Tunes have? He's really good. And the Monstars are like, oh, like, boss, you don't have to worry about him because he's a baseball player because they don't <laughs> know. Um... But it just so happens that Stan overhears that the Monstars have stolen the talents of all of these Earth basketball Uh, players. mm -hmm. Um, They catch him listening. And so when Stan returns to the uh, Toon Squad's locker room, it looks like he's been burnt up. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And he tells the Toon Squad about the Monstars and how they got to be so good. And, of course, the Toon Squad is like, now we'll never win. (laughs) Um, So then Bugs starts filling up a water bottle and he puts a label on it that says Michael's Special Stuff. And he tricks all of the Toons into drinking it, thinking that it's some sort of like special basketball elixir. Uh Uh-huh. That makes you good at basketball. Clearly. Well, I mean, yeah. that's a real thing. Uh, yep. And so then <laughs> we begin the second half of the game. And when the Toon Squad comes out for the second half of the game, they've drank this special elixir. So then they're doing really good for a while <laughs> playing basketball. Um, and they use their, like, all the different Toon characters use, like, the talents that they have that are special to them to like get points against the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um so there's some good like sight gags in the mix <laughs> there. Um finally we have a timeout called with four minutes thirty-two seconds remaining and the score is the monsters have sixty-eight and the Toon Squad has sixty-six. Um, and this is too close for comfort in Swackhammer's opinion. So he like shows up and is like, you know what? I don't just want the tunes for my amusement park. I want Michael Jordan as well. So like, let's kind of uh, renegotiate the terms of the deal that was struck. And Michael says, sure, you can have me for your amusement park if you win, but if mm-hmm. I win, then the Monstars have to return the, t- the basketball talent that they stole from my friends. Yep. And Swackhammer's like, okay, I agree to that. Now, 
we don't really super have to get into this, but over the course of this movie, I was wondering if there was some kind of weird commentary on the toxicity of fame because, um, <laughs> like, when they're renegotiating this contract, there's a whole little, like, different style of animation thing that happens where it's portraying what Michael will have to do if he has to work at Moron Mountain and it's just like a line of people waiting to get autographs and even before this one of the things that is happening when he's been playing baseball is that even though he is not doing a good job at baseball everyone is being really really like oh that was a great strikeout Michael like yeah. you know good job and so at one point I was like I don't want to like make this movie more intellectual than <laughs> it is but is this a did somebody say, like, what would be a downside to being so beloved in the world? Like, Or did somebody say to him, like, Michael, like, do you ever feel like being famous like this and having, do you, like, yeah, it's, it's a good question. Like, if anyone said to him, like, what would be your, like, top two things that you would say is a negative about being as well-known as you are? And right. he was like... Number one, everybody lies to me. <laughs> right. Number two, they all want my autograph and that's all they see me as. Right. It's like everyone's on the one hand kissing my ass, but on the other hand feels like I owe them something because yep. I'm a public figure, right? Yep. Um, and I would so, say that is sort of, a, <laughs> and maybe even not necessarily from Michael Jordan, but like that, those are two really shitty parts about fame. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, whoa, is, th is this movie actually, like, working on all these different levels? And I just didn't know. Um, you might have been reading into it, but we'll go with it. <laughs> um, so then the timeout concludes, and this is the new additional kind of um, urgency to the tunes needing to win. Mm. Um, when they start playing again, now, unfortunately, the Monstars really start kicking ass and like pretty much all of the tune players get too injured to continue. <laughs> um, so they need to have a sub come in. Mm -hmm. And that is Stan who has been sitting on the sidelines <laughs> and the monsters literally flatten Stan to the ground <laughs> So there's like an image of Newman flat like a circle on the ground of this animated basketball court. Um, and then the tune medics come out and like just start pumping air into him like from a bicycle pump or something. Uh -huh. uh, and he, so first he, because he's round and flat then he turns into like a floating a balloon like, or something balloon and then i can't remember if he burps or, or somebody like quote unquote pops him but then all the air get he blows it all out and he whirls around the room like a balloon losing air <laughs> and then he returns to his just normal self and michael is watching this whole thing and he turns to the tunes and he's like how could that have happened? And they're like, it's tune world. Everyone is li like, even though you're not a tune, you have the powers that we have 
in this world of mm-hmm. like nothing can kill you, nothing can injure you, like all this weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've now gotten to only 10 seconds remaining left to play. Uh oh. Yes. And then Bill Murray shows up. Thank goodness. <laughs> this movie and, needed more Bill Murray. <laughs> well, because they need another sub because Stan can't return to the game. So Bill Murray right. is there. Um, and this is another one, a great line that I had to say. So Swackhammer's watching all of this transpire. And then Swackhammer says, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. That was good, too. I do remember that as well. <laughs> so Bill Murray is just like, I'll sub in. We've got time for one more play. Everyone agrees that the play will be get the ball to Michael. Michael will score the two points we need to win the game because now the score is Monstars 77, Toon Squad 76. Mm-hmm. So that is exactly what happens. They manage to get the ball to Michael. Michael is trying to dunk from like beyond half court. But as he's trying to do it, all of the Monstars are literally like making a chain with their bodies to try and hold him down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is when Fly Like an Eagle comes on. I can't yeah, totally remember. Yeah, they play it a couple times. I can't remember when. Yeah, so then because Michael has learned that the rules of physics don't apply in Looney Tunes land, he like stretches his arm out real, real long <laughs> and he dunks the ball the Toon Squad wins. The entire crowd goes up in an uproarious cheer because they are not going to have to work at Moron Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, Swackhammer, uh, as we would expect, is deeply upset and starts shouting at the Monstars. And the Monstars, I forget exactly what they do. They somehow like hurl him into space or something, um, mm-hmm. never to be seen again. And so then Michael is like, okay, but you remember the deal. You've got to give back those talents that you took. Mm. Um, And so they put the talent back into the old basketball, and then they return to nerd looks. Um, And Stan is like, come on, Michael, we've got to go back. You've got a baseball game to play. He keeps saying that to him, like, multiple times. Um, So... They do briefly stop back to just establish, like, yes, he returned to play the baseball game. Um, but the final scene of the movie is that Michael has shown up to some gym somewhere in the world, and the uh, basketball players who have lost their talents are just sitting around talking, and they're like, we've tried everything. I guess we just have to accept that we, you know, we're never going to play basketball again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, I don't know, fellas. And they're like, hey, where have you been? <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, well, like, don't worry about it. I'm here with my friend Stan. And I just need you to touch this weird old basketball. And they're like, hell to the no. <laughs> and they're very reluctant because the basketball is like visibly glowing. glowing. Yeah. And this is when Muggsy Bogues, he is my favorite one of them in this yeah uh because he says this looks like something from star trek and i was like mugsy bogues like star trek Woo woo! <laughs> um and i also thought it was really funny because in this scene like you know because all these guys are so huge 
and they need the basketball in the shot, and they need Wayne Knight in the shot. Like, the shot barely can contain everyone. Yeah. Because they're so tall. Yeah. And it's taken from, like, a really weird-looking angle. Like, yeah. the I feel like the camera person, obviously, is not as tall as these players. So, like, it's kind of from underneath looking up at them that the yeah. shot is done, and it's so weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he manages to convince all of them to touch their hands to the basketball. Their talents for basketball are restored, and they immediately start playing basketball. They're like, oh, um, look at me. I can dunk again. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, what I liked about this is I was like, you know, truly, like, I don't know what it's like to be so good at something as these guys are at basketball. Um, but, like, you could actually see, you're like, the reason you're so good at this is, like, partially, like, actual talent, but, like, you love this. Like, if you were left alone, yeah. you would be playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. like, so they're, like, playing around. I mean, I would say, like, a lot of uh, professional sports ball player people, um, they they do. They love it. Even when they retire, um, they continue to do it. Maybe not at the same level, Obviously not at the same level, but um, I think that is a part of being that good is you do like to be super, super good at something. You do. Ha there has to be a part of you that loves it. Otherwise, you won't ever get that good. I yeah, think. you would never practice the way you would need to practice. You would never yeah. like invest your time and your you know, like emotional. And being talented at something makes whatever. you love something more. I do think there is yeah, I like think, a sort of chicken and egg situation. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you might but, be naturally drawn to something because of, like you might have certain, like these guys are all tall. So that was always yeah. perhaps going to, because even now, if you see like a really big guy, you, know, you play basketball? Yeah, I know. It's true. <laughs> I like, and I've had to, they make so much fun of it on last podcast on the left because Ben is like six, seven or something. Yeah. And apparently like anytime he goes anywhere in public, all they anyone says he's is, a basketball player. they say things like, Hey, big guy, big guy. Yeah. You play basketball. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so like, I do think that there's something to be said for like, if you're just a tall person uh, male or female at this point, like yeah. you, you, like, and you are athletic, where you're going to end up going typically is basketball. Yeah. And you may I or may mean, not like it, but if you are quite good at it, then you might come to love it. And then that's what carries you to do all of the work to be like super, super the best in the world. Yeah. Um, and that, I just got that energy from this. I was like, oh, I think like, Probably these guys, like, once they said cut, they were like, oh, well, we're playing now. <laughs> like, and they're so like, all right, we... keep it rolling then, I guess. Um, so then th they turn to Michael and they're like, oh, do you want to, like, join us for a bit of a game? We could do three on three. And he's like, no, thanks, man. Like, I've got a different thing. I'm doing this basket this baseball thing. And they're like, are you sure about that? dude and he's like yeah yeah you know whatever but then the final outro is him having 
spectacularly returned to the Chicago Bulls and there's like more sports footage of him dunking. Yep, and another that's long it. montage. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah, like I think they play I believe I can fly again. I think they, they play fly like an eagle again. I think they play yes. like both of them. Yes. Um yeah. And that's it. It's a wild ride. Absolutely. And I was there was a part of me that was a bit surprised that I hadn't that I had gone up to a month before my 40th birthday, never having seen this thing. Um, yeah, same. Because I, I had always heard about it. I knew it. I knew when it came out. I knew, like, you know, and I knew lots yep. of people had good feelings about it as children. But for whatever reason, it had just never made my, like, to-do list of watching. Yeah, same. And having watched it, I, I'm, like, glad I did. I'm, like... This was okay. Like, cool. Yeah, it's a good, like, cultural uh, touchstone to know about, I guess. Yeah. And also, did you know that they've made a sequel that's coming out this year? No, I did not. Featuring LeBron James. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, if Kobe Bryant were still alive, it would probably feature him. Probably. Um, but prob- I do think probably LeBron James, either him or Kobe Bryant, is of similar notoriety and caliber as Michael Jordan was in the mid-90s. Yeah. I would oh, say. yeah, for sure. So in terms of yawns and eye rolls, we will begin with yawns as per usual. One yawn is edge of my seat, couldn't take my eyes off it. And Tanyans is like, I couldn't keep my eyes on it. Uh, I would say I'm going to go like two because, yeah. Always room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say two it for much the same reason. And I, and I would almost even give a one because for a movie that basically has no story... I was deeply engaged. <laughs> yeah. Which is an, an achievement, <laughs> I yes, feel. Yes, it is. Um, and I wasn't just engaged because I, like, quote-unquote, had to be for the podcast. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this is really, I don't know what I did expect, but this is, a, this is delivering a lot more than whatever I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and for eye rolls, one eye roll is... You know, we're doing a mixture between live action and animation. This is a suspension of disbelief is essential. Um, And 10 eye rolls is like, how can there actually be multiple different animated dimensions? What would you do? Oof. Um, I might have to go 10 because how can there be... Multiple animated dimensions, and they the Looney Tunes live underground. That is, mm. that part is confounding. Although in the like general watching of it without thinking too much, that didn't really like. Yeah, you said you didn't even think flags. about it. <laughs> I didn't, so I guess maybe I can't add that part. But yeah, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of craziness in this. The fact that uh, that uh, the nerd luck things can steal the 
talent of random basketball players mm. by like sucking their talent out of a basketball into another basketball. Like the yeah, I gotta go ten on this one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I would give a five, like straight down the middle. There were oh wow, yeah, <laughs> you were like I'm on board. I was, I was on board, even though I had a lot more questions about the multiple dimension issue than you did. Um, mainly just because I was like, what? Like if I'm thinking about this in the context of Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. There are some things happening here that are much weirder that are not explained. Not that everything has to be explained. So that's why I'm saying like just... I like explanations. Right down the middle. <laughs> like very Got weird, it. but I was on board for most of it. So that's where we are. Um, so as as the wrap up, did you like this and would you recommend it? Um. Yeah. And yeah, probably. I mean, I would, I would maybe if someone for some reason hadn't heard of it and was just like space jam. Welcome to the space jam. (laughs) I would first sing that song at them. And then I would be like, that's obligatory. That's like (laughs) mandated by law. Yeah. And then I would just be like, just like, so you know what you're getting into. There's three dimensions one is animated space, one is Earth, and one is underground Looney Tunes world. And it's all a commercial, and it's all about Michael Jordan playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. So just, like, buckle up. <laughs> but sure, I'll recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I, I guess I would recommend it, but I'm not sure it even needs us to re- recommend it. No. Like, I think it's no. pretty popular. Um, yeah, but I, so anyway, by way of wrapping up, if the, if you, as we often say on this show, if you've not seen this, um, there's quite a lot that we left unsaid. Um, <laughs> and you didn't get to see it with your own eyes. Yeah, this so. is definitely a see it with your own eyes thing, <laughs> I would say. Um, yeah. and it's cute and it's like the time passes and you're like, oh, that was fun. Um, yeah. And it's on HBO max. If you have HBO max, you can watch it. Yeah. So, uh, another successful episode in the books, Amy, I am Sarah. (laughs) Thank you for listening and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of see you next week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.